The dead return to life. Fantastic fiends on a bloody rampage. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hey, Fright Friend, it's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 29, for the first time ever. A live episode we did at LA Comic Con that happened over the weekend of October 26th with one of the most unforgettable stars of The Conjuring 2 and The Nun, Valak herself, the iconic Bonnie Aarons. And listen, before we get going, we wanted to take a quick sec and dedicate this episode to our good friends Ron and Mario at One Eye Open Productions, Candace Torres and Aaron Walsh. We're always going above and beyond to be there for us with love and support. Words can't thank you enough. Y'all are amazing. That said, let's get spooky, shall we? Your name gives me dominion over you, demon. And I do know your name. You are Valak! The defiler! The profane! The Marquis of Snakes! Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. All right, welcome to the Boo Crew Live. We've never done this before. Thank you, guys. So to give you guys a little background for those who aren't familiar, we are a horror podcast in the L.A. area that not only talks to the people in front of and behind the lens of your favorite horror films and different genre and content, but also actors, musicians, and artists and personalities who just love horror. And that goes pretty deep. So there's really something for everyone in the show. It's available for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, and Spotify. We've been doing this probably since November last year, and it's been fun. The first thing we do is when we bring a guest in, we take them on a tour of a movie prop collection that myself and my wife Lauren have amassed over the years. The first thing you see is the six foot tall statue of Voldemort fighting Harry Potter made out of silicone. It's pretty striking. (laughs) And there's a carousel and there's a lot of things to look at. It's kind of like a shock to the system. Then we bring the guest in through a secret passageway. We got a bookcase that was designed about two years ago by a panic room company. And it either opens by a wave of a magic wand and a magic word or by tilting a book. And then the bookcase opens and we bring the guest into this Victorian-era radio studio that we built. So it's all covered in oak and antiques. All the tech has been taken apart and rebuilt using brass and leather. Like I said, it's a real shock to the system and becomes an immersive experience not only for us but the guests. And as a result, makes for some pretty interesting interviews when you get people in that environment. I'll introduce the people on the show. My name is Trevor Shan. This is my wife, Lauren. Hi. We got Leo. Hello. Over on the other side of Bonnie. We got Rachel. Hi. Austin. Hello. And last but certainly not least, someone who couldn't be here today, Tim Armstrong from the punk band Rancid and the Transplants. He's the other host of our show. He's got a gig out in Huntington Beach this weekend, so he couldn't be here. He also provides all the music for the show. A couple of the guests we've recently had, writer-director Ty West, Oscar winner Diablo Cody, Gerard Way, musician and the singer of My Chemical Romance when it was around, he stopped by. We've had a real-life exorcist who's come in, who actually exercises demons out of your favorite Hollywood actors and <laughs> musicians out of her back house in the valley. And uh, she's also a comic book creator. She actually developed the backstory for Laura Croft Tomb Raider when she was still in her teens. And uh, she's come in. It's one of her most popular episodes, actually. Her name's R.H. Stavis. Most recently, we had Danny Elfman come by. 
he was just like one of the crew. It was so fun. So we did like a two-hour episode with him that we just posted. That'd be our 27th episode. And here we are now with Bonnie Aarons. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so as, as we get this thing going, is usually what I do before we start each show, a little introduction for our guest. So joining the Boo Crew at LA Comic Con is a true force. She's an absolutely one-of-a-kind actress and creator who has the ability to alter reality in such a way that simply demands your attention. A force so strong that even when her character calls for something as subtle as a whisper or a glimpse, every single time she steals the show. This lightning in a bottle, this cinematic magic, has seen her be the muse for David Lynch. She danced with Jack Black, freaked out Rihanna, made us laugh in The Princess Diaries, shared screen time with Christian Bale, worked alongside greats like Roger Corman, Sam Raimi, celebrated filmmaker and maestro of the art of the scare, James Wan. A force so strong that she turned a series of last-minute reshoots in The Conjuring 2 into this generation's most celebrated horror icon, joining the likes of Freddie, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface, all of them. This was carved in stone with her very own film release this year, The Nun, directed by Corn Hardy, opening to an unprecedented $330 million at the box office, not only making it the most successful entry in The Conjuring franchise, but made the entire Conjuring series the highest-grossing R-rated series of all time. We are honored to welcome Bonnie Aarons to the show today. So, let's get this thing going. (laughs) So, Bonnie, as a horror fan yourself, what was the first experience with the genre that stuck out in your mind as maybe the first horror film you saw that affected you or, or anything like that? Well, I grew up in horror. My parents loved horror big sci-fi freaks, and uh, we were always exposed to horror, so I grew up on it. Is there some films that you could reference that you remember seeing for the first time? Had some sort of a certain profound effect on you? Probably um, the Hammer films, you know, the Frankenstein and, and Dracula films, things like George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Oh, which, by the way, it's 50 years old now. Yeah. It's crazy. That crazy? It That's is. crazy. That was an incredible introduction. Thank you, I am. Oh. I'm so humbled. It's an honor I'm to have so you. humbled by that introduction. <laughs> you, you know you made it when people dress up as your character at Comic-Con. Yeah. Right yes. there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. next to Valak, right job. there. You guys rule. <laughs> You think you made it when you got a little doll. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a doll that someone made from right after The Conjuring 2. That is damn good. That is beautiful. Mezco has a a booth here, and they have a prototype for a new version of the doll that looks exactly like Bonnie, which is amazing looking. You got to go see it. It's on display down there. That was the original version, and it got something, something got messed up. Another non collectible, nothing wrong with that. So tell us about your journey into becoming an actress. Well, I was exposed to it when I was very young, and I did children's theater and did it in school and just, you know, went for it. And it's been a very rough road, you know. Well, I moved, um, I'm, I was in New York City. I moved there, I think, 1977 or 78. Tried to get indoors there, and I was turned down a lot by the way I looked and this and, and every other thing, you know, because I don't look like the average person. I love to do what I do, so I don't really care. So many people are hung up. They have to look a certain way, and they they have to be beautiful. They have to have this, and they have to have the hair color, and they have to have everything has to look a certain cookie-cut-out way, which you see. You see it on all the shows. You see it everywhere. But I didn't, you know, if you want to do something, I didn't give a shit. I just... (laughs) 
It's okay. I look like this. Surgery's not high on my hip parade. So, oh, gee, let's go get some surgery. Let's have some fun today. But, you know, for some people, it's okay if that's what makes you feel good. But I was like, well, damn it, I was born looking like this, and I'll just use it. <laughs> there you so, go. I'm, I'm happy some people were able to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to Mulholland Drive, Austin. Oh. You wanted to talk a little bit about. Whoa. That was incredible. So my understanding, and this is what I'm really curious about. So I read an article in the New Yorker years ago. Tad Friend followed David Lynch around. And I don't think a lot of people might, might not know this. It was developed as a TV series first. Yeah before it became Correct. a movie. And what I heard is, so he developed, he shot the pilot. They said, no, thank you. He said, well, screw you. I'm going to go turn oh, it into no, a it movie. Was, they were doing it. I forgot which it was ABC. I forgot which what it was. You know, I, I have the article. I still have the new Oh, yeah. I have it, yeah. And uh, they asked him to change the show. They said they wanted my character taken out because they thought it was too scary. And then they wanted somebody else taken out. And he said, no. And uh, that's when he went and recut it and made it into a uh, full-length feature. Oh, so they yeah, didn't... It, he, it yeah. was going to go if he oh, took the notes. Oh, it was going to go. He, and they, he said no. He said no. Wow. Wow. Well, that time it would have been so cool, you know? I would have been in a series. I still have never done any TV <laughs> to this day. Oh, because I don't look like that. Well, you know, hello. I'm good enough for people to make a doll out of me. <laughs> <laughs> for people who haven't seen the movie or don't know your character from Mulholland Drive, can you describe the character? Well, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and talk about makeup. I am wearing actual moss on my face. I mean, David Lynch had the makeup artist. He wanted to keep all of my bone structure, so she put on with tweezers actual moss on my face. It took hours. I think wow. she was 16, 17 hours. I'm not going the whole entire day. And I still believe I have some of the stuff in my hair. <laughs> I'm wearing still some of the stuff to this day. Like there was steel wool and oatmeal. No, the hair has to be, uh, you know. And um, the dirt and the stuff. I mean, it took all day. Was the plan that that would be a recurring character? Or? I believe so. That's but the I impression I yes, got. Yeah. Yes, yes. I guess we'll never know. We never got we'll, to see the TV we'll, show. We'll, yeah, we'll never know. I mean, it's we'll, a great movie, but that yeah, TV, oh, the idea of the TV. Yeah. One of the movies you can see over and over again and go, wait, I, I missed that. Wait, now it's something <laughs> you really don't. I think it's, I believe it's about Hollywood, to tell you the truth. I believe it's about Hollywood. But then, you know, I can see it again, and then I don't know. I'll change my mind. I, right. I don't know what. I'm still trying to figure it's incredible. Was that your first role? What was your I did first a, role? I think I, well, I did a lot of commercials mm -hmm. and music videos. You know, a lot of music videos and a lot of commercials. Those are my first roles. I did a Roger Corman movie. Really? Go I on. Think that was my first <laughs> film, but it came out years ago. It's called Caged Heat. Oh, yeah. All right, it's a, a women in prisons movie, right. okay? <laughs> you know, it's a women, it's a women in prisons movie. That's Cor pretty Corman weird. It's pretty, it's, yes, it is very, very. And I believe that was my first one. I think the next one was a uh, was a Gary Marshall film, one of the many oh. Gary Marshall films I did. Yeah, I know about Princess Diaries one and two. Yes, I did. A, I played a prostitute in uh, his movie Exit to Eden. Oh yeah. But then I did his voice work for the other sister. But I think oh. that was after that. Yeah, he was great to work with. Yeah, and I, I, I met him. Add. I met him in a bar. Well, outside a bar, I met him. I met him outside in a parking lot. So I went. You know, when you're struggling and you can't get anywhere, because you walk in a door and they say, you know, nuh uh. So I would go in. You know, when I moved here in the early, very early '90s, when I moved here, I would actually go to places because I knew they people would be there. 
like improv people and comedian people. So I went to this bar where I knew he would be, and and you know they play a little game, and I, you know, and I joined in, and uh, then he thought it was hilarious. And he thought I left, make him laugh, and then leave. <laughs> you know, and then he followed me out and introduced himself to wow. me. So I actually, I actually accomplished it. <laughs> I accomplished what I went out for. Then, was it as simple as that? Meeting him, and then all of a sudden you get a call back one day. Yeah, no, and he's like, yeah. "Hey, come on, I want you to be in something." Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, there was no, there, you know, it was hard. There's no, you know, I was going out for. I was doing a lot of commercials, though. I mean. That's what's so funny. I mean, I, I've done so many commercials and people have seen me so many times. I look so different in every single one. You know, but I did a lot for Europe. I did a lot of commercials for France and for the UK and for Italy. And, right. you know. and you did that long-form Samsung anti-diary, oh, the Rihanna cool. thing, which oh, was so yeah. cool looking. You had all that, uh, like, glyphs all over your face. Yeah, it wasn't. You know what it was? What was it? It was, um, it was actually a message, part of her whole campaign. It was Braille on my face. Wow. Yeah, it's Braille. So you have to figure out what, you know, there was a whole, like, a game, and it was a whole interactive thing, and you had to figure out certain messages in it, and then there was actually something, and he actually put the, you know, the tape on my face. They taped it, and they had to do it a certain way. It was a Braille message. Do you remember what the message was? It, yeah, it was something where it actually read a thing when you got to something and you hear Rihanna talking to you and it said, you've been watching me and it had to do with this, the room I'm in. I'm in room three. You know, it's on YouTube. You can see it, the anti-diary campaign. If you go through all the rooms, I'm in room three. And uh, it says, like, what's going on in the room. Okay. You okay. know, here is your clothes. Here is your new life. Here is your changing it was it's really quite beautiful. It was done by Wood Kid. It was all it was a whole it was a whole European production. And uh, she was fantastic, so nice. Really incredible. You ended up working with Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. yeah. You appeared in Drag Me to Hell and Sylvia's very surreal oh. death dinner. Was, well, you know, there was it was it was supposed to be a larger part. We didn't have it was only filmed for one day. We didn't have enough time to actually film more of what I was supposed to do. But at least, you know, hey, it's a credit. I was in there. I worked with Sam Remy. Exactly. He was Amazing. a doll. Yeah, he was oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. What more involvement were you supposed to have in the scene? Do you remember? Or? It, no, there was just a thing where I was saying something, whatever. You do hear me talking in right, the scene. Right. You know, and his daughter actually plays my daughter in the film. Oh, cool. Oh, that's <laughs> random. <laughs> actually, I want to know how it work with David Lynch. Did he give you direct? Oh, oh yes, he's yeah. He gives he yes. He's, he's very calm. Yeah, <laughs> he's extremely calm and you know meditative because he meditates. You know the TM and mm-hmm. he's very calm and very direct and you know has his way of and, no, I want it done like this and you know and I was like looking at him and saying, "There's the look I want. I want you to do that." I'm like, well, it's really easy when I'm looking at you. So he did it with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, because that was a look. Yeah, it was a look. I mean, I was just like... And doesn't that look kill one of the characters? Isn't that the idea? Yes, it does. If looks, if looks look. could kill, yeah. now go figure. If looks could kill, yet I'm not good-looking enough to get a job on any show right. or, any, or whatever. Go figure, right? <laughs> it's like unbelievable. Yeah. Talk a bit about meeting James Wan and how the whole nun thing started. For The Conjuring 2, I was put in in post. They had already finished the film. It was in post. They were ready to put it out. And I guess at the last minute, uh, he had said him and, and Vera decided they didn't like the monster they had in there, which was wearing like an, an animatronic suit. You know, and you sort of see a little bit of it when I explode at the end. 
they wanted a real person. And so they held an audition. And thank goodness I got on the audition, you know. And I always knew. There's some people that I always know. If I get in front of this director, like, you know, David Lynch, David O. Russell, James Wan is, is one of them on the list. I said, if I always, if I got in front of this man, I know he'd put me in a film. And sure enough, he did. So I went to the call, so I got in, went to the first thing, where no, you know, just went and was just go there and scare the shit out of everybody, which, you know, okay. So did that, and I'm like, I know, I know, I know I'm going to get the call, I know it. So I go to the callback, which is held at the studio at Warner Brothers, and it's me and two men. Oh, oh yeah, wow. me and two men at the callback. So for the callback, we actually had to go in the makeup chair and have makeup put on us and then work with James Wan. Okay. Wow, now quite see, the audition there. How, you know, I'm a big fan of James Wan. I knew that one of his favorite directors is David Lynch. There you go. <laughs> Before I left, I had on my phone, I had, because Twin Peaks, it was so funny, because that year Twin Peaks had invited me to go to the Twin Peaks Festival because they were doing a thing with showing Mulholland Drive. So I made sure on my phone were the pictures of me and David Lynch and Mulholland Drive. I wasn't going to let those bastards <laughs> take that job away from me. No way! Nobody was going to take that job away from me. No way. I mean, so where's the makeup chair? Did you guys want? I'm like, giving them the stink eye. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was like, giving them it, that's wow. it. You know, so sure enough, James Watt walks in to see how everyone's doing the makeup. Oh, oh, hi, hi, hi. And I go, oh, I know you're a big fan of Mall and Jock. I go, look. I think the other actors wanted to kill me. Oh, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> that was, I mean, but I think they knew already, whatever. But I had heard that from hence the first call, when I went in from the first call, he had told me as soon as we all saw you, you were in. How long you know. does the makeup process take to do the nun? Well, like, how long are you in the chair for? Oh, well, uh, that's a very interesting question because there's not much to talk about because there's not much makeup. It's basically, right. it's my face. <laughs> right. you know, it's my face with just some shadows. I mean, you can, it's just some shadows, you know, some so very it's like little makeup. really quick? Wow. Yeah, well, it's about an hour on, you know, it's, it's depending, you know, it's the, Eleanor Sabatikoya, who's a great yeah. makeup artist, she hand paints it. So she's an artist. You're yeah, her canvas. Painting. I'm their Mona Lisa. Go figure. <laughs> Look in for another job. Go figure, right? What about the teeth? Is there prosthetics or what are they doing? Oh, yeah, that? they're just teeth. You just clip on. Was there an evolution of the makeup from Conjuring 2 to the nun? Oh, they changed the makeup. Well, actually, Eleanor, who designed the makeup with, you know, James Wan designed it. They knew how they wanted it to look whatever, but... Um, she was busy, so so uh, in the Conjuring two, from this other Hugo Vaz, uh, I forget, I can't pronounce his name. He works on the Star Trek show all the time. He's a very well-known makeup artist. He applied it. Mm -hmm. He applied it, so it was a little bit a little bit different because you know each painter is a little bit different. So sure. he, he did the Conjuring two. For the nun, Eleanor did every single every single one. No, it's, it's, it's yeah. So he did. They did change. The makeup, as you can see, mm -hmm. a little bit different in The Nun than from The Conjuring 2. And actually, James was in, were they filming Aquaman? Yeah. And he, they were on phone watching all the pictures, oh, really? sending all the pictures back. Nope, nope, change this stuff, nope, that, 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 the veins and this and that, you know. And wow. then Corn has his input of what he wants, you know, the director, what he wants. And then where it goes down, it's, it's James Wan's monster. It's like, ooh, I jumped out of James Wan's mind. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped right out of his mind. <laughs> You know, woohoo. <laughs> you know, the, the genius about The Conjuring 2 is that, as you stated, the movie was complete. And then James came up with the idea for The Nun and to cast you. 
but what's really fascinating is that he found a way to interweave the character of the nun to affect Lorraine Warren in the opening scene, the Amityville horror scene, but yet you're the thread that shows up throughout The Conjuring, Annabelle, the nun. It's like, you're now like the glue that holds it all together. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, cool. well, maybe they'll call me up for another job in one of their movies, right? That would be good. Pretty sure they right? will after right? the success of the yeah. nun. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, this, there as you go. These are incredible storytellers. Yeah. James Wan's an incredible storyteller. I mean, he's, yep. he's a mind of a genius. Yeah. And I think he had said that he had just come up with this because he had, I hate to make whatever, uh, but I, I believe I've read several times, he had said that, um, you know, because he had spoken with Lorraine Warren, you know, actually, she always said what was always following her around was a dark figure and a, with a hood, she, nothing else. And so he came up with the idea of, Let's have a nun. He's a genius. I mean, look at his right. body of work. The man is just the visions he has is absolutely incredible. It's mind-boggling, right? Yeah, no, it really is. When you first walked on set, what was the motivation? What did he tell you? Hey, as this character, this is what I want you to do. Okay. Well, number one, I was on that set in, 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 at the very end, the mo- right before the movie was coming out, right. and I, I was literally on the Conjuring Two filmed five days. Wow. So, I mean, and not only that, he had brought in, uh, Vera had flown in from doing the uh, Bates Motel and Patrick, and they flew it, you know. So it was all, and there was actually on, in the hangar, he was actually, this man is so amazing, has so much passion. He was actually filming, I mean, running around to three different things filming at the same time. Me on a green screen, then doing another scene here, and then me running over to that scene, and then doing that there, and then he would go back and forth from scene to scene. Direct. I'm not kidding. I, I don't know. A man probably didn't sleep for six months. I don't know. It's, wow. a, it's, a, it's just amazing. When you have that much passion and you're that, that much of a creator and a genius, when you have those visions, he just, he's driven. You know, you're driven by it. He's certainly someone that's driven by it. So there was a motivation like, I mean, he basically, every little bit that I'm doing in The Conjuring 2 and in The Nun is pretty much directed. Everything about with my characters a lot is with the lighting. And so it was like, be very still. And at that time, you know, The Conjuring 2 was very difficult because my the feet, the shoes didn't fit right and the contact lenses were put in wrong. And so, <laughs> I mean, so it's like, just stand there and I'm like, fine. You know, and then it was like, move your head. And it's very, very, very directed, even, you know, where the habit is sitting on oh, my wow. shoulder in this, except of course when they, you know, blow the the, the you know the fan, the big fan to yeah. make it long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but everything, every single turn and move and you know look and is very very pinpointed. Were you able to keep anything from the nun? Did you take like? Yeah, I any? walk away with my face. I wear it well, everywhere. <laughs> like but like, were uh, they able to keep anything of me? Yes, they got it. They got it burnt into the into the screen. <laughs> Besides your face, like, did you keep any props? Like, did they let you have the habit or? No. What do I want the habit for? Put it up in our booth. Yeah. Oh wait, I'm sorry. No, I. I, I no, I didn't take it. I don't have sticky fingers, but I didn't take anything. I have nothing. I, I, not a thing. Well, your next Absolutely. movie, maybe you can grab some. <laughs> yeah, for Lauren. I'll ask me. for you. Well, if Thank I you. Speak, when I speak to them, see them, I'll say, hey, these, these guys want something. Thank you. <laughs> 
there's a, a cool shot near the end of The Conjuring too, where your mouth is just just a gaping that's, hole. How did they do that? That's the only part I think that's CGI. Okay. That's it. So that's, it was a little green screen makeup on or something like that? Did you have um, something on I your face? I did that or? scene on a green screen. Yeah. Oh, wow. You did that on a green screen, and then there was like the window... You know, where, you know, Ed Warren was hanging out of the mirror against the the wall, and in back of me was a green screen. And then, as you can see that, if you look very closely, I think that's where they have the one hooded, you know, who was actually Joseph Bashara, who plays Bathsheba in the con. And this man wears so many hats, he's the composer for most of James Wan's films. He also the uh, lipstick demon in Insidious. Oh, I love it. That's my favorite. (laughs) No, he's so cute. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Oh, oh, That's creepy as hell. Really, I love that lipstick demon. That, that may, I love it. He's adorable. Is there a favorite scene that you shot? In The Conjuring 2, it's got to be the scene with the, the mirror. Yeah. Yes. Oh, That's, oh yeah. yeah. That's so cool. The mirror scene. That's so um, fun. In fact, I, when we did that scene, it wasn't actually working out. Everything was all cramped and blah, 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 blah. Had to be orchestrated, yeah. stepping in, stepping in. So going there, going there, and, da, 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 da. and I'm just sitting there, and they're, you know, he's having a conversation with beer and people. All of a sudden, I hear, "Well, if we can't make it work, we're just going to have to, you know, not do this." You know, like, I jumped up <laughs> so fast, going, "What? <laughs> you going to take the scene out of me and beer for me? I don't fucking think so. <laughs> I'll make it work. I'll go down here. I'll do this. I'll do this. And they go, okay. You heard the woman. Everybody reset it up so she can move like that and go in like that. I'm like, I'm not going to let that pass. You know, no way. You know, but one of the more uh, iconic scares in that movie is the painting scene. Yeah. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That so was it's the it's so iconic that Warner Brothers uh, Horror Made Here made it part of their, uh, you know, their Yeah, base. that was pretty yeah. cool. I'm like holding this. So, so they had it hanging down in a, I don't know, from a pole or something. I was back there with a guy, and even how I grabbed it, like, was all like orchestrated. Nope, nope, nope. I want this finger to come, then this finger. Wow. You wanted every wow. single thing is was is extremely precise, wow. extremely. So, so you know, you got to shut up and listen really carefully. Even the way I grabbed it, which finger came up first, which finger was here, everything. Well, it became yeah one of the most powerful uh, you know scenes in a horror film probably in the last you know ten twenty years. Yeah, and then we went to the green. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I love I that. Jump. I love it. Here's my face coming out of it. Yeah. Great. And then we went, and then we go. Then so do do that, and then we go over to the green screen, and he leaves me with the producer. He goes over to go to the producer, who's, who's brought up to a great guy, uh, Rob Cowan, and he's directing me this. He's going, okay, so I'm holding a, bl- a blank frame there like this and, and coming out of it and I'm like what and I'm like you mean to tell me my face is going to come through and I go yeah well why don't you just tell one two three uh, you know right. <laughs> so you're holding a, a thing and coming out of it it was so it was really pieced together you know and the editing is incredible right. most of yeah. it was done in long sh- if you watch his movies and why they're so powerful most of them done in such a long long shot yeah. <laughs> long beautiful shots yeah. he's incredible yeah he's great at suspense yeah, he builds that suspense really well. Yes, and I think he that did. moment, that moment, I jumped. I literally, yeah. <laughs> you were beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So at the time, and you wrapped up Conjuring Two, and it, it came out, and everything. Was there still communication with you about, hey, we might turn this into its own offshoot movie, or no. was that just it at the time? I, I no, I didn't know anything about it. Right before that, though, we had Annabelle Creation, and you show, up, yeah. you show up, you show up in the uh, end credit right. scene. 
So was that shot by Corin or is that James Wan? Well, those that was all shot by Corin in Romania. Oh, okay. Those were shots. Those were shots done in in Romania. Yeah, that was fun going down the corridor. That was a good one. That was great. Yeah, because that that scene comes alive (laughs) in the opening scene of the Nun. It's really creepy. You get that teaser, but then you're like, ah, it's the teaser. But it's like, no, 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 it's an actual scene in the movie. Yeah. So as soon as they, they finished rapping Conjuring 2, and then they st- went down the path of Annabelle creation, at that point, The Nun did so well for us in The Conjuring 2, obviously. Well, because stole fans. It stole the show. Well, thank you, fans, for loving it. Thank you. I really, I thank you, fans. Thank you. I, I'm so honored that you love what I do. I mean, that's what I do it for. I can't even articulate what it means to me that so many people... Loved it. If you guys don't know the backstory about the the nun, it was actually shot in Romania, parts in Transylvania, and these oh, creepy yeah. castles and ancient. You know, we had Corn Hardy on our podcast, and he told us these great stories, and it blew my mind because you know I'm thinking, well, here's another horror movie, probably filmed on a soundstage somewhere, somewhere in Burbank, you know. But it's <laughs> no. like, no, this place is on location, in these creepy locations. What better setup, right? Really, part of what made the movie. Yeah. That, I, I mean, I love really, that we're the movie. Real thing. Yeah. The real yeah. deal. But you can we're tell, like your your brain can tell when you're I, watching yeah, it, right? I felt like I was there. I was really cool for me because I felt like I was their Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Growing up in all those I, Universal I, monster I, movies. I go around just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your nun Dracula. Did, did you ever I'm scare people? <laughs> did you scare people on set? Did you like creep around corners at, oh, in, yes. in wardrobe? Yeah, well, I, you know, unbeknownst to me, I mean, I don't know, I, I, whatever. I guess they, they were just afraid of me. Uh. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I heard, I heard that Tysa Farmiga yeah. absolutely is terrified of you. I don't think she is so much anymore. Oh yes, it is well known <laughs> that her, Damien, they, uh, yeah. That, yeah, they're very, yes. So you must have had a ball, just scaring the shit out of everybody. Yeah, I mean, mostly I was just, you know, pretending myself. I wasn't around them that much, mm-hmm. you know. I would do it to Corin, you know, I'd see him. Or, you know, the writer, Gary Dauberman, who I became, I love him. He was, like, totally into it. But they were very frightened of me, the rest of the cast. I, and I couldn't figure this. I just couldn't figure it. I was like, gee, I, maybe they don't like me. Yeah. I'm like, but why wouldn't they like me? Who wouldn't like me, you know? What, what, oh, well. And then I found out they were really quite frightened of me. But it's like, wait a minute. People, I'm an actress. This is a performance. I'm acting. This is, a, you know, I'm an actress. Do you really believe I'm, you know, a baroness? In <laughs> well, I'm a crackhead, and the, you know, and a fighter. Um, this, is a, this isn't, you know, an acting I'm pretty sure Robert England is Freddy Krueger, like 100%. Like, there's no doubt he is. He is. So I get I'll it. tell you, yes, yeah. I, he I'll really tell is, you. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I've met him a couple times. He is. He really is. That's right. You're just, <laughs> he just confirming my fear. <laughs> terrified of him. He's a sweetheart. I want to ask about the difference in approaching this character, obviously, that's so orchestrated by James Wan, right? And then it's off to another director, Corn Hardy. Were there differences in the way that he would direct you versus James Wan? Did he have a different vision of the nun, or did James actually kind of pass down this torch and here's how the nun is? Or did you just kind of know it now? Were you thinking with James Wan's mentality? Corin is such a great director and storyteller himself. I believe that's why James Wan chose him to go take care of this, because it's sort of like, this is James Wan's, I mean, this is his thing. He made this whole thing up. This is his original standalone film. He made it all up. So he had to pass it to somebody that he would trust to bring it 
you know, those ideas onto the screen to relate it to other, you know, to relate it to the audience. The genius so. uh, team up, though, was between, with uh, Corn Hardy and the DP, Maxime Alexander. Oh, he's I mean, good. Oh. Look, just, look, just look at Bonnie's Love scenes in, in The Nun, how creepy she looks in every shot, the shadows, or that, or towards the end where you see her coming out of the water. Oh, I mean, that was this good. Is, this is genius <laughs> DP work. That was good. That Beautiful. was good. Well, I Beautiful, did it. I stayed creepy. in the water. I stayed <laughs> in the water. I held my breath. I didn't care, whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because it was so funny. I think Corin and I were the only ones to know that I'm going to do it. It's like, hey, could you hold your breath underwater? I'm like, well, <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. You're going to be um, uh, like um, Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. <laughs> I don't care what I'm feeling or what's going through. I, I can hold my bowel. You can do, when you got you know when you really want to do something, you're gonna do it no matter what. So I got under there. I waited till all the water was still and then rose up. Wow, such a cool shot. Yeah, it is a really cool that Maxine let me, Alexander. He is amazing. Oh, what an artist! Absolutely. Yeah, the, the film pays a uh, homage to all the classic horror movies. Uh, some, you know, if you look at the lighting, the set design, it's, you know, think of, I think of The Exorcist. I think of the classic Hammer films, like uh, the old Dracula movies. And then you have The Nun. I'm like, wow, what better location? What better team to bring your character this movie to life? It's so beautiful, so creepy. Corn was great to work with because I got to work with him for you know a while. So I got to. He's just he's he has so much enthusiasm and he has so much love for for what he does and for the, he loves monsters I mean he just absolutely yeah, he loves that. monsters yeah. so he's an art a real artist himself he was showing us some of the sketchbooks that he was doing during the nun and it was just it unbelievable yeah it could be released as a graphic novel I mean it's insane absolutely. he's so talented he's incredible it's, yeah. it's it does it blows my mind it's like he's so enthusiastic about it so he would come to set we went to when he went to set he brought that and just in, brought it out to everybody else doing the film, so it was really fantastic. So it's such a joy. We had heard that the uh, set was haunted. Yeah, Corn uh, told us Korn some, told us a great some story. ghost stories. Well, I heard that story. You know, I'll tell you, we filmed like underneath these, you know, the castles and stuff, you know, and when you're in there, like the catacombs, you're, you're actually under these, and it's very tight. It's very, very tight, and the walls are they seem like they're not solid because it's like water's always dripping and it's mud and there's probably bones buried in there. I'm not kidding. There are because these castles, a lot of horrific things happened in them. So when you're down there and it's all these tunnels and caves, it's like you turn around. Especially me, I turn around and look at that. What, 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 plus, you know, I had the 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 habit on. I'm like, hey, I can't see what over there. And all of a sudden, what? Where'd everybody go? And then you. You know, it was, <laughs> and it seemed like you turn around and the walls were like moving because they were wet and they were, you know, it wasn't like a solid wall like that. You know, it was like a, it was felt like it, it was breathing. Right. And like I said, I'm sure there are bones buried underneath there. It's, and it's very tight, very, imagine all of this equipment, the lights and the camera, especially the camera, you know, and all, and the people just down there and, and, you know, squeezing it into these, corridors and places and even they made a the dolly going and it was quite amazing the story that corn had told was he was filming a shot down in the catacombs by himself all of a sudden two guys over to the right or whatever and he he had finished filming a scene then he turned to the guys over to the right to say hey wasn't that a great shot and there was nobody there and there was no way of getting in and out without him seeing 
So these ghosts were watching him film the nun. <laughs> and it freaked him out. I mean, there are a lot of people died in the bowels of these places. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in we're in Transylvania, the real deal. Real deal, yeah. You know, and there was a lot of torture things and stuff. I mean, the the actual ones where people were died on and stuff, and it was pretty intense. And those ghosts probably never saw a movie. Oh well, I'll tell you something about that. So I'm in the courtyard of the, you know, Castle Corvon, where we did most of the, the the filming. Where, and I'm sitting there, and I'm you know waiting. And I'm sitting that thing outside the tents, and all of a sudden you hear like you know the sonic screeching of these you know bats. And I look up and I see, and it's like they're doing a murmuration. I'm like, whoa, man, they're like headed for me. <laughs> And so they, well, they they swarmed that way, and one's like coming right at me. Oh, I'm like, I believe it was Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's Dracula. So anyway, I move away, and this bat flies right into the right smacks itself into the tent. Well, <laughs> guess they're all worried about the bat. They go run into the bat. They got to save the bat. No one's saying say anything. <laughs> like I taught that battle lesson. You know? I'll show you, Dracula. I taught that battle lesson, or maybe the bat thought was waiting for me to, you know, turn into, you know, a bat and fly right. with it. Join, join the group. Since Halloween is next week, what is your favorite thing to do on Halloween? I watch, just watch. I just watch scary movies. Do you dress loved, up as anything? I could. But I mean, I mean, what am I going to go out trick or treating? <laughs> <laughs> go to a party? No, you should yeah. go scare children. I go, exactly. Yeah. I go to scare children. Right? I, I don't even. Yeah, I don't need to dress up to scare them. <laughs> did you go to the Warner Brothers Horror Made Here, where oh, they have yeah. the Conjuring Haunted yes, House? And that was fun. Yeah, they yeah. do a good job at recreating the uh, the painting they, scene. That the, was. They did a beautiful job. And yeah. if you go see, I think it's. All, I don't know how long it's open for, but they did an amazing job. Recreating the painting coming out of the wall, running, running out. I mean, yeah. they did a beautiful job. Yeah, it was stunning. Yeah. Probably one of the best scares I've ever yeah. seen at yeah. a haunted house. Yeah, that, yeah, it's that, really it was to incredible. See. So you see the painting there. They have a, a replica of the painting, and all of a sudden, they have someone coming out, you know, dressed as as Valak the Nun, that goes in the comes and the painting lights up, and it's just incredible. The Nun will be out on Blu-ray December fourth. There's some very good oh, I extras. Oh, bet, yeah. There's, yes, there are. There's some very good extras, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff that they're putting in there. And I think they're putting in 10 more, like, minutes of deleted scenes. And oh, in the film itself, in the context? Or just deleted scenes? 10 minutes of deleted scenes? No, no, not, they're not adding it to the film. Oh, okay. This is other, you know, things Extra. on the DVD or whatever. I think, I don't know, hopefully it's on the iTunes download, too. By the way, have you guys seen all the... Uh, Easter eggs in, in The Nun? Did you guys see Valak appears in different places in the movie? Like the periodic table? Like the pillars in the opening scene with Sister Victoria? Yeah. Ah, so you go back and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Leo caught all this stuff. I didn't yeah, miss all of it. It's, a beautiful, it's beautiful. The movie is absolutely beautiful. If you guys have not listened to the Gordon <laughs> Hardy <laughs> episode... Oh, you gotta. You gotta listen to it. You know why? Because as a thank you gift, he wrote a song to the cast of The Nun. Oh, and yeah. with oh, us, so good. with us in studio, he performed it's it for the so first good. time, and we all sang it together. It's so good. Yeah, Tim played guitar. Tim played guitar. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have for the panel, guys. Thank you so thank much you for so everybody coming much. out. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank and thanks to Bonnie. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. I had a series of visions when I was younger, and after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? 
I saw none. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 29. Special thanks to our guest, Bonnie Aarons. Follow her at Bonnie Aarons1 on Instagram and Twitter. That's B-O-N-N-I-E-A-A-R-O-N-S. And check out The Nun on Digital Now on Blu-ray December 4th. Till next time, Trev for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tahada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. It's time for this boogeyman to boogie.